This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from across the globe. And today I'm delighted to say it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well for a Friday. It looks as though the Federal Reserve have moved a little step closer to the day when it'll start slowing its massive monetary support for the US economy. Am I right in saying that? I think so. And and I think it's, it's fascinating to see how the statement, you know, seemed rather hawkish. But once Fed Chair Powell, you know, started to uh, give the press conference and answer questions, uh, uh, he, he just could not hold back the dovishness. And and I think the, the key takeaway is that you're 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 seeing that, you know, the Fed and specifically uh, Jerome Powell acknowledged that, yes, the economy has made progress, uh, and and uh, that is key. And uh, I think everyone knows it's substantial progress that is needed for the Fed to see in the labor market in order for them to begin tapering asset purchases. So uh, the the Fed debate is very lively. In a couple of weeks, we'll get those minutes, and this will probably be the one time I will say the minutes will be more important than the Fed statement. Um, I think we're going to learn more about the debate. We're going to get a better idea as far as where um, policymakers stand. But I think there is so much momentum here in the economy that, you know, yeah, the, the Fed now has kind of laid out, uh, you know, that they're getting closer to making a decision on tapering. Now, the, the, the market, though, and I think this is the, the important takeaway due to Delta variant concerns, some softness in these labor readings over these last few months, I think there has been a reset as far as expectations on tapering. So before this decision, some people were holding out that possibly Jackson Hole was going to be when uh, the Fed would announce a taper decision, which is at the end of August. And and, uh, and, and then in the, the policy statement, they said over the, the next uh, uh, meetings, they would evaluate. And I think that pretty much uh, lets us know that the earliest uh, we could possibly see that taper announcement would be September. Um, and if it's not September, then you're probably looking more like at the end of the year. So I think now everyone knows that the Fed's mandate right now, it seems it's it's heavily going to be focused on the labor market recovery, which makes next week's, and uh, sorry to steal from the, the, the look ahead, <laughs> but next week's non-farm payroll is going to be massive because if expectations are exceeded, uh, that is just going to excite markets. I think you're going to see that will really, I think, lead to the the belief that you know we're one more um, uh, non-farm payroll report after after you know next week's strong possible reading from seeing a taper announcement. So uh, expectations are for 925,000 jobs created. If we get a million, a million one, a million two. Um, you'll probably see that that yield curve start to steepen a lot more. Dollar get a bid, and and so I think now you're going to see there there's a, a playbook in place now, and uh, it's all about the labor market recovery as inflation um, is. You know, all that data it matters, but it still seems like it's going to be transitory at large parts of it, even though. Um, 
the parts that are persistent, uh, that probably won't get proven until a couple months down the road. It's all about jobs numbers. So if, if we start to see weakless jobless claims return to pre-pandemic levels, which surprisingly it still has not yet to do, uh, that is going to be very telling. Um, but it, it, it's really all about the labor market recovery. Um, inflation is really not moving the needle. Today we had the Fed's preferred inflation gauge come out. Market did not even blink at that, and it came in slightly softer than expectations. Inflation right now is taking a, a backseat to to um, anything related to jobs. In the UK, we've had a successive number of days of COVID rates falling, apart from a blip yesterday. What's happening in the US at the moment, uh, Ed? Is there cause for concern in some states, or is it going in the right direction like here in the UK? I think the, the problem is, and testing we are we're not really seeing testing happen at the pace that uh would please scientists um uh, i i think one of the, the the problem is in america we have one third of the population is is not vaccinated and uh is not willing to get vaccinated it seems uh, and uh I, I think one of the the more telling interviews that uh i heard this morning was from uh former fda commissioner scott godlieb and he highlighted how, you know, he could see uh, the, the the cases, you know, you know, surging tenfold over these coming weeks. And uh, I think that the cases are not likely to, you know, even if, if, we, if we have another major wave here, uh, it's not leading to hospitalizations because the at-risk population has been vaccinated. But, uh, you know, obviously there will be some cases that do happen to, to go that way. Uh, so the, the, the fear is that this, this, uh, this market is not going to shake COVID for uh, at least uh, a few more weeks and uh, until this, this wave settles. But um, it, it's, uh, it is uh, leading to some tense moments amongst some businesses and government jobs where you're going to see vaccine mandates enforced. You're going to see lots of uh, um, you know, people remain adamant that they don't want to get vaccinated, and that will complicate the labor market recovery. So I think it's important to, to, to continue to track um, uh, the, the current surge. And, and uh, I think you're, you're seeing um, all these latest reports from the CDC. It's really disheartening uh, that, you know, fully vaccinated people are possibly um, able to, you know, get COVID and uh, pass it along, even though they might remain asymptomatic. And, and that fear is uh, um, really growing as, you know, people are still studying the impact on children. And while we are starting to see some children get hospitalized, uh, it's, still, it's still too early in the data and we, we really need to get a better handle on that. But right now, you know, that's the big fear as far as school reopenings and uh, everyone wants to know exactly, you know, if, 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 children are able to be in person because if not uh having to stay at home will impact the uh livelihood of some parents and uh that obviously will impact the labor market indeed the livelihood of the parents and of course the mental well-being of the children as well which is all important when you think about the generations to come i want to ask you about robin hood and a very disappointing debut on the nasdaq yeah, it, it was really, uh, I think, uh, a terrible IPO. It was probably one of the worst ones of its size. Um, I, I think Robin Robinhood was opening up their books to the retail investor, and uh, I, I think that was really a calculated mistake. I think um, you 
you did not have the public side with you in, in this IPO. And I think you had some rather vocal figures, whether it's Dave Portnoy uh, from Barstool Sports, um, uh, or just if you go on any Reddit board, there were a lot of people, you know, that still had a bad taste over Robin Hood's you know, performance over the meme stock mania that we saw a few months ago and, and, you know, limiting restrictions, not letting people some get some traders get out of positions. Uh, so, so, so I think um, you're, you're, you're probably going to see that Robinhood is, is a company that is looking to diversify their revenue streams or, you know, obviously embracing crypto. They're, they're focused on uh, trying to break into retirement accounts and uh, just letting your, making it so much easier to trade equities. But I think, you know, as far as how they make their money and, and whether they're, you know, offloading their, their order flow to Citadel or other dark pools, you're, you're, you're seeing that that is going to come under regulatory scrutiny in these coming months. So, so I think Robinhood is, is a stock that it has a tough battle ahead. Now, at some point, you know, they're, 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 you know, the valuations and, and I think there is still, you know, this is, this stock is shaking up the trading world and uh, uh, they, they do have a tremendous base, but I, I mean, I think it was easy to identify that the debut was going to be terrible, um, but eventually what is a fair valuation that we're, we're going to find out soon. And uh, I think that uh, um, right now um, there's still a lot of hate for the stock. Um, but uh, I think eventually you'll probably see it will start to find some support. And uh, when you compare it to Fidelity's and, and uh, the Char Charles Schwab's and, and TD Ameritrade's, you know, Robinhood's growth, you know, crushes pretty much everyone else's. So they've really won the millennial trader. And that is, you know, the the key market right now that everyone's focused on. So uh, they are doing some things right. Uh, but, you know, I think until, until you know, I, I can believe in their uh, justification, their diversification of, uh, of how they make their money, uh, you know, it, it just seems like a stock that has a lot of risks to its primary um, uh, revenue streams. What about Bitcoin? Bitcoin has had a much better week. Last time we spoke, we were talking about the decline of Bitcoin, but a few choice decisions or not, as the case may be from Amazon, uh, certainly spiked the price. Very much so. I, I think you're, you're, you're starting to see that, you know, this market has, has really made uh, tremendous progress in uh, attracting more interest from corporate America and also the institutional world. Uh, Twitter embraced Bitcoin. You saw, uh, you know, the Amazon story was refuted, but I think there's no one doubting that, you know, it, you know, they're, they're looking to bring people into the company to, to, to run blockchain research, to run, to grow their, you know, their, you know, their, their crypto um, um, future. And, and, you know the, the the market is 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 pretty much you know assured now that um, regulatory fears you know have eased dramatically, and I think that you're seeing the scrutiny in the U.S. right now primarily focused on stable coins, which really is positive for Bitcoin. So I think you know the mining problem that they had, you know, it wasn't it wasn't decentralized. You know, everything was really done out of China. That problem is getting addressed. Um, renewable energy is now um, um, some some uh, 
reports are suggesting it's well over 50% renewable energy and that um, you're, you're, you're probably, you're probably going to see the ESG world embrace crypto and, and, you know, by the end of the year. So there, there, Bitcoin has really turned a lot of corners here. And I think that the institutional interest is still, still growing. Um, I think the, the interest, uh, is probably only going to, I think, accelerate once we see further stability. And, uh, you know, for the last couple of months, we've really had Bitcoin kind of, you know, bounce around from 30 to 40,000. And that's actually been very healthy. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, it did collapse over 50% from, from, from those record highs um, from just a couple of months ago. But uh, the the uh, the market is, is becoming... Um, more used to that that type of volatility and uh, i think the arguments the bullish arguments you know seem to to firmly be in place so there's there's still a lot of excitement and momentum here and i think that you know blockchain is is not going away and uh, you're probably going to see outperformance by ethereum over bitcoin but i think the two go hand in hand and, and right now there's still uh just uh um um I think more more interest that is is growing, and uh, we're probably going to see more countries. Uh, I think try to follow El Salvador's lead um, in in trying to become you know some of the next Bitcoin hotspots. That's not something you hear in a financial podcast very often. <laughs> You'll hear some <laughs> countries follow El Salvador's lead. <laughs> Generally, the price of of a lot of cryptocurrencies surged during the week, didn't it? Because of that uh, news. Uh, about Amazon, it wasn't just Bitcoin, of course. Yes, and and, uh, and I think one 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 thing that you're you're starting to see is there is a, um, a growing argument that you're going to have a more of a consolidation amongst the top cryptocurrencies. Uh, there's just too many cryptocurrencies out there. There's thousands and thousands, and and uh, I think in the end you'll probably see that they'll probably be uh, by the end of the year, really just uh, maybe ten that the, the, the cryptoverse will pr predominantly focus on. And a lot of that is based off of, I think a lot of these, the, the, the winners are gonna be the ones that are, are trying to work with Ethereum, that are trying to be uh, some of the bridges that, that help um, accelerate, accelerate some of those transaction costs. And um, there, there's, you know, the, the space is constantly evolving and and what you're probably going to see is the market is very much focused on you know where is the next major explosive growth opportunity that can come from and and right now um, everything is kind of leaning towards it's going to be built off of ethereum so that's why i think you're probably going to see ethereum really be the, the 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 lead over over you know these next several months i think it's only fair that i also mention the uk uh on this podcast ed uh, rather than everything being U.S. orientated. And these comments from the International Monetary Fund earlier in the week saying that they thought the U.K. economy is going to outdo everyone else in the G7. Did you see that? I did. And uh, I think, you know, the everyone has been so, so focused on the the U.K.'s, uh, um, you know, performance as far as um, getting vaccines into uh, their, their citizens. And, and uh, I think the 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 market you know for the most part uh wall street was because the uk was battling not just brexit but covid uh um you know no one wanted to touch anything 
British. And I think right now you're, you're seeing that, uh, you know, the, the COVID cases are trending lower. It looks like uh, um, you're going to see uh, a, a very uh, no, normal fall for for England. And, and I think there's just so much um, uh, momentum there that you're also going to get beyond Brexit. So there, there's, I think, a lot of traders that uh, are, are taking a look at UK assets. And uh, when you take a look at monetary policy stances, you know, the there's no doubt that you're going to see, you know, the, the Bank of England move well ahead of the Fed and the ECB. And uh, you're going to probably see that interest rate differential widely swing in, in, in uh, the British pound's favor. So I, I think there's there's a lot more upside. There's a lot more op- opportunity um, in, in some of these longer term bets. And that's why you're probably uh, seeing, um, you know, you know, not just the IMF. The IMF's been late to the game. I mean, everyone's upgraded their their forecast for Britain's economy. So I think uh, they, they're just playing catch up. But I think a lot of that is is you know somewhat priced in. Okay, Ed. Let's look ahead to the next seven days or so. Um, obviously, we've had lots of earnings over the last few days. Uh, perhaps some more to come. What else is a highlight for you coming up in the next week? Well, I, I think the main event will be the non-farm payroll report. It's it's hands down the it's uh, probably the biggest event. Uh, the the other one that in, here in the U.S. people are focused on is the debt limit. Obviously, you know the two-year hiatus is ending, and uh, you're you're probably going to see the Treasury have to invoke emergency protocols. And uh, you know we're we're not going to default on our debt, but that 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 discussion. Will probably be very intense in October, but uh, for now we're we're going to be passing that key threshold, and uh, I think there's a, a lot of investors that are are really going to um, I think become a little bit more um, uh, focused on you know the, the rising debt situation in the U.S. Um, um, for for Europe, you know it's it's all about the Bank of England. Uh, you know you're going to see. Uh, uh, I think that uh, it, it's uh, it's an interesting time that you're you're probably going to have um, much more um, updated forecasts that um, are going to uh, formally adopt that negative interest rates as a policy tool, and uh, I think that you're going to see uh, everyone is is uh, really going to look to see whether or not um, you know we 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 start to see. Um, a little bit more of a cause to end that uh, uh, bond buying program. So um, there, there, there's a heavy focus on the the BOE um, in Germany. You're going to have industrial output and factory orders. Uh, that's that's going to be uh, pr- pretty, I think, pretty uh, impacted by the supply chain issues. Um, it's a, a lot of inflation data too. Uh, Turkey is probably going to see inflation once again um, accelerate higher, and uh, that's really going to um, eat at the chances of seeing that rate cut in August, which President Erdogan has been pushing for. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see exactly how that data unfolds. Um, Russia also will have a, a rate decision, um, and uh, as you highlighted before too, you know this is a um, this was the busy week for earnings. Uh, we, we will get lots of updates next week as well. Um, I think that uh, 
for the most part, though, um, everyone is going to be looking to see um, whether or not we continue to have that theme of uh, pricing pressures uh, passed on to the U.S. consumer. That will just feed into the the persistent inflation debate. So that's that's going to be um, an, another key one. And then um, I think lastly, uh, you know, you're you're probably going to have um, a lot of traders um, re really just I think focus on. Uh, uh, a lot of the um, incremental updates that we're going to be hearing from Fed speak, uh, I think the, the the debate over tapering is is going to be pretty intense. And today we heard from Bullard. Uh, we'll we'll be hearing from more officials. And uh, I think as as the market becomes a little bit more uh, used to the idea that okay, the the uh, taper announcement will happen. Um, uh, sooner than later, uh, you'll probably see that should be supportive for Treasury yields, which, um, you know, still to, um, are unable to really uh, steepen. Uh, Ten-year still um, trading around 123, which is um, which was unheard of if, if if you were you know you know following rates just a couple months ago. Excellent stuff, Ed. We'll speak to you again next week and uh, obviously focus on that non-farm payroll number when it comes out. Should be very interesting indeed. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. The Oanda Podcast.